Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects Podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. Today we are continuing our stock watch on to week three of college football. More conferences are starting their play. We are getting more and more games to see. The Big 12 is expected to come back at some point in this fall season, so we now have that crop of players participating More and more guys are out there, more and more guys for us to evaluate. Today we have three stock up players, two that that did not help their stock with poor performances. Before we get into those guys, though, I want to share with our listeners a special message from our sponsor, that is Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Guys, we have some very talented names on this list from week three some recognizable names also that that go along with that. The first player that we want to talk about today is one of the top tight end prospects in the country who helped him out significantly with a strong performance. Brevin Jordan for Miami, seven receptions, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Ryan, what are some of the things that Jordan flashed to you in his performance this weekend? Well, he, he, you know, he did the, the stuff that we already knew that he was capable of, right? He's that yak tight end that, you know, whether you get it short intermediate, he's a, a insane threat after the catch for a six foot three, 240 plus pounder. He's that traditional move tight end, uh, does some stuff in line, but his best attributes are always going to be working in space. What I wanted to see from Miami this year, and it looks like we're seeing it under Rhett Lashley, is the ability for him to expand his route tree a little bit and then to consistently get that usage because he's been a guy that has not been used appropriately over the first two years. He always flashes. He's a guy that can line up in the slot. He can line up at H. He can line up a little in line at times. Uh, in line's never going to be his bread and butter, but the difference that you're seeing with Miami right now is he is the focal point of the offense. He led the, league, um, led the team in receiving the first week. This week, seven catches, 120 yards. He had a dominant performance. Uh, hurdled someone at some point too. So like you saw the dynamic athleticism uh, again in open space, it's all just about the ability to use him to show off those, those that skill set on a snap to snap basis. It's about consistency for Brevin Jordan. I, I think I tweeted out earlier today that with Brevin playing the way he's playing, I still think that he's the third in the pecking order of how good this tight end class is. 
But now I'm more comfortable if he continues this trend to saying that there are three legitimate first-round options in this tight end class for 2021. Ryan said it perfect. Um, you know, we knew what this guy was going into this year as a yak. He's an athlete. You know, this is this is what he does. He gets the ball in his hands, and he does things after that many tight end prospects can't do, uh, you know, this far into college. Um, so I, I don't think he really proved anything to me that I didn't already think of him prior. And, you know, so so it's just nice to see him put up the numbers that he did and put up the production that he did on a prime a prime time stage like he did against Louisville in that ranked matchup that was that was being looked forward to by a lot in the country. So I don't think he proved anything. I think what I need to see, just like Ryan alluded to, is just consistency with the hands um, and, and just like a more diverse route tree for that athleticism. You want to see him win in more ways than he does. And, you know, he was picking apart zone coverage. I, I appreciated the hurdle that he made in his game. Uh, and, and, of course, he had that deep touchdown where he was left wide open. I mean, he is an athlete. That's what we, that's what we said about him in our tight end preview show uh, months ago. Um, nothing he did. Saturday really changed my mind on what he is. He's he's a he's a yak athlete that get the ball in his hands and he's he can move better than tight end prospects usually can. Um, but like Ryan said, to get into that top conversation with with Fryermuth and Kyle Pitts from Florida in the in the tight end landscape of the NFL draft for this coming year, we just need to see more consistency and I want to see more, a more diverse route tree because he has way too much athleticism for him to be as limited as he is in that regard. So Jordan's a guy that we spoke very highly of in our tight end preview episode. He is someone that we certainly will keep our eye on because he could find himself in that first round conversation if he finishes this year strong. Second player that had a, a really big performance is a smaller school guy playing against a big program. Zaven Collins, Tulsa linebacker, had a huge day in an almost upset for Tulsa against Oklahoma State. Six tackles, four tackles for loss, and three sacks. Ryan, I know you're a big fan of Collins' performance from this past weekend. What did you see from him on Saturday? So it's pretty funny. During this summer scouting, I highlighted a few of the Tulsa defenders. Uh, Jackson Player, their nose tackle. Zayvon Collins, their strong side linebacker. couple corners they have, too. Allie Green and uh, Caleb what was his last name? I forget his last name. Caleb Jones? I forget. Okay, 26. Caleb Evans. There it is. All right. Sorry, I had to work it through my mind. That was quick. There. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I just start rambling, things come to me eventually. So that's that's too that much information. Feature. There's too much information going through your head at once. It's just like, which yes. guy is it? <laughs> yes, you heard it here. Jody Leon said, I'm too smart. Sometimes there's too much information up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so I, I was talking on some of these Tulsa defenders, you know, coming into the year, because I think from a physical perspective, from a talent perspective, there are some NFL guys. I think there's four to five NFL guys on that defense. And, you know, they had a bad defensive performance last year overall, you know, with the total defense, scoring defense, all that type of stuff. So I, I was getting my balls busted a little bit during the summer because I kept mentioning these Tulsa defenders and they're like, oh, Tulsa's awful. Tulsa's awful. And then you know, they had that really nice defensive effort yesterday against Oklahoma State. They took them down to the wire. I'll say Zayvon Collins is the clearest projection on that defense just because he's a strong side linebacker that is listed at six foot four, 260 pounds. He is a huge athlete for the position. He can come down, play some under and over fronts. He had three sacks yesterday, four tackles for loss. 
He's a very flexible and a, and a versatile athlete, kind of in like the Anthony Barr type of role that that um, they that he plays in Minnesota uh, for the Vikings. So I, I think that he's a really versatile, big, good-looking athlete. And I think Zayvon Collins, he's a redshirt junior. I'm told that he's going to graduate, uh, I think, in December. So he's definitely a guy that I think is going to have that option to, to whether declare for the 2021 draft or not. And I think that this type of performance against an Oklahoma State Big 12 team that you know has some hype going into the year as far as competing in the Big 12, I think that this is a really nice starting point for him. I think that he has that talent. Again, 6'4", 260, nice athlete, flexible, can do some different things for you. So I'm a big fan of Collins, and he definitely showed out yesterday and showed why he's such an interesting player overall. Well, that's exactly what he had to do going into this year. You know, such a weird offseason where – the big, the bigger, the big names get bigger, and the small names kind of get pushed under the radar even more so than on the average year. He had to come out early in the season and show out for him to start getting those looks, you know. And I tweeted, I think it was like in over the summer, I think it was June or so, that I I tweeted about love watching these Tulsa defenders. I don't know who they have as defensive coordinator, but I need to do some research because I was a big fan of Reggie Robinson, uh, who was drafted, I think, third, fourth round by the Cowboys. Uh, in in April and and these guys are just they play physical and and they're super smart and you you touched on a few of those guys that you've you've elaborated on you know through through tweeting out some of their highlights uh, from previous seasons and and you know and Zavin Zavin Collins just did exactly that this past Saturday he he showed out and you know on a big stage like you said you know people are in there watching Tylen Wallace for whatever reason and Chuba Hubbard for whatever reason and and you come <laughs> away and you're like Zayvon Collins was one of the best players on that field if not the best uh you know this this Saturday so you know it's, it's great to see that production against a, a high caliber team that a lot of people have their eyes on especially from a scouting perspective getting a getting a good look on these top names in the 2021 class so to be able to stand out on that stage is is gonna pay huge dividends I love him as an athlete from what I the limited action we have seen or I have seen of him I should say and I'm excited to continue to put him on my radar and make sure I'm tuning into Tulsa because Tulsa's a fun defense to watch no matter who you're watching I just love the physicality they play on defense and so far it, it, it seems like like you talked about with Tulsa, it, it's good that we have some proof that what you guys talked about during the summer, that there is a lot of talent on this Tulsa defense. And also the fact that people were getting too caught up, like you said, Alex, in watching Oklahoma State and the two big names, Tylen Wallace and also Chuba Hubbard. Meanwhile, they were not key impact players in those performances. We're actually going to talk about Hubbard a little bit later. Before we get to that, though, we have one more stock up player, Boston College quarterback Phil Dracovic. He is a Notre Dame transfer, his first start for the Eagles. He was sitting on the bench behind Ian Book, was supposed to be a very talented recruit. Ryan, I know you know a ton about him because of his Notre Dame background. Is there anything from his performance on Saturday against Duke that stood out to you for the reason why he's on the stock up list? I mean, so for the first game, the first start, I should say, of your career, to throw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, Threw an interception, but besides for that one throw, man, like he was dialed in. He looked comfortable on the hoof. This dude is 6'5", 230 pounds, runs, uh, I'm told, in the 4'7s. He's a very nice athlete. Uh, when he came out of uh, Pine Richland High School in Pennsylvania, he was a very high four-star, bordering on five-star recruit going to Notre Dame. It was supposed to be the next big thing, and he you know, just got tired of sitting behind the 
you know, um, the complacent Ian, well, I don't want to say complacent, the uh, entrenched Ian Book. And, you know, Ian Book's kind of a known commodity. So, you know, they were never going to play Phil Dracovic while Ian Book was still on campus. And I tweeted out yesterday, I think this might eventually be a Jake Fromm, Justin Fields type of situation, maybe to a lesser degree. But it, at the end of the season, NFL uh, evaluators, scouts on Twitter, everything, the whole nine yards, they're going to be talking a lot about this Phil Dracovic kid because he has, again, all this, um, all this upside, all these boxes that are being checked from a physical standpoint, looked comfortable. He's playing now for Boston College that runs a very multiple system. So he's got some pro-style elements. He's got some spread elements. They're mixing it up a little bit. They got Hunter Long, the really talented tight end, who I think is going to get you know, burst on the scene a little bit as well. So I think that at the end, you know, at the end of the season, they're going to be like, they chose Notre Dame chose Ian Book over this kid. That is insane. I think I wouldn't be surprised, even though he's only a redshirt sophomore, if by the end of the year some people are whispering, like, is Phil Dracovic good enough to come out this year and be a top two or three round pick? Is he good enough? Is he going to be a first round pick if he decides to come out? I really think that that talent is there because whether it is you know from a timing perspective underneath or throwing the ball deep, all the talent is there. He's a big, physical, well, uh, good looking athlete. Everything is in front of him right now to make that type of dramatic rise. And Boston College hasn't had a dynamic player at the quarterback position like this, uh, you know, maybe ever. Because, like, even Matt Ryan wasn't a dynamic player with his legs. Obviously, he was a, he's a great player and has turned into a great player on the NFL level. But, like, from a dual-threat perspective, this kind of kid, Phil Dracovic, is a completely different athlete than Boston College is used to. And we just got our first taste of him, the first career start against, you know, a Duke defense that has some NFL players on it. We talked about that a little last week, right? Like Chris Rumpf and Victor, the other defensive end, uh, Marquise Waters in the secondary. There's a lot of guys that are going to play in the next level. And Phil Dracovic came to play and really asserted himself on the ACC conference. And I think it's going to soon be all of college football. Well, I wasn't able to watch this game. Um, so recently I just watched the highlights. You know, going into this, I was thinking, you know, there was – was it the Tulane quarterback a couple weeks ago? It was one of the first games of the season, blew up. I can't remember who it was. And and I was thinking it was one of those situations where people are just ready for the next big thing. But, you know, I've only been able to watch the highlights thus far. But the highlights, I mean, God, like you said, he's got the tool size – uh athleticism he's got adequate athleticism I mean he's he's no Lamar Jackson I mean no one is but uh, he can definitely move and he's got an arm uh and it looked like 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 you said a second ago it looks like he's very comfortable for someone that has such limited playing time at the collegiate level he looked very comfortable the timing looked right from from what I've seen so far and you know when he was forced to scramble out of the pocket he you know he was he almost looked like a veteran in the sense of him continuing to keep his eyes downfield and making plays out of structure, setting his feet and, and letting it rip. And there was actually the, the one throw that I did see that I was really, really impressed with where he puts it just right over the defender, uh, probably about 35 yards out on the move to the left, sets his feet and lets it go. So kid's very intriguing. I, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I'll, I'll keep it honest all the time. I had no idea this name was until yesterday. So, um, so to see someone that could potentially, you know, rise throughout the 2020 season as a potential quarterback to, uh, to, to claim that number four spot, that's what we kept talking about during the summer is who's going to be QB four, who's going to be QB four. And, and, you know, like you said, he's young, um, going into the season, no one would have thought that of this name going into the 2021 draft. But like you said, we got a taste of what, what it could be. And if, if, 
he puts up consistent performances like he he did this past Saturday with that talent he could push for that QB4 that everyone's been searching for 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 months now we have two players that had bad performances to lower their stock now on paper first player Chuba Hubbard Oklahoma State this stat line sounds pretty good, 97 yards and a touchdown. However, he rushed for 3.4 yards per carry. Nothing overly dynamic coming from Hubbard in a game against Tulsa where many would expect him to explode for huge production. I think we can all agree here that Hubbard is somebody that we're not as high on as most other draft analysts are just because of the name and the production in college. We're starting to see some glimpses of why he's not exactly that top-tier draft prospect as everyone wants to say that he is. Ryan, what, what are some of the main reasons why you think that despite him scoring and almost getting 100 yards rushing, that, that he was stocked down this past week? I, I think there's a couple factors that go into it for me personally. To start with, you're playing Tulsa, and although I raved about their defense, right, like Oklahoma State, in theory, on paper, should have the advantage. Now, there are some factors that were working against Chuba Hubbard. One, offensive line was not good for Oklahoma State. They did not play a good game. Their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, got hurt in a part of that read option system, uh, the zone, zone concepts. He's a very dynamic runner himself, so that helps you to you know keep those boxes um, light with, the, with how they align. And then Spencer Sanders allows that weak side defensive end to kind of stay at home and not crash down because you have to respect the running option that they have. So Chuba Hubbard a lot of times runs in light boxes. So he had a few things working against him. Why I think it's a huge stock down, though, is he's a, a supposed high next-level running back, right? Those types of guys have to be able to create success for themselves when things aren't working well, right? Like every play is not going to be blocked well. It's not. It's never going to happen. So while – you know, he still had 97 yards. We, we, you highlight the yard per carry, though. He wasn't efficient on those runs. And I think that that our biggest concern, or at least my biggest concern in the summer, was I don't. I think Chuba Hubbard is a one-cut-and-go type of back. I think his vision is okay, but I, he doesn't make guys miss. He doesn't create a lot of second-effort runs. He doesn't break a ton of tackles. And I think that th- these, um, the lack of offense, great offensive line playing, the lack of, of Spencer Sanders, the dynamic threat as a runner – really highlighted that fact. I don't think that he's a guy that is going to be a bell cow where even when stuff is a little tough, he's still able to create extra yardage for himself. So for me, this, again, highlighted the worst of what Chuba Hubbard is. Is he fast? Yes. Does he have good vision? Yes. He can't create second opportunities for himself. How high are you going to value that guy? For me, not as high nearly as most people have. You know, I, I think he, I think this is a day three pick. I think he's a damn good running back still. I think that he has a role at the next level. But this game for me, again, highlighted and really showed the deficiencies to his game to be that supposed top-notch lead back at the next level. You stole the thunder. I was going to call it out and say he's a day three running back, and that's what me and you have been very transparent on, our views of that, despite the pushback we got from the tr- the Chuba truthers out there throughout the summer <laughs> scouting series that we did do together. And this is just what he is. If, if, if you don't get the big play where the hole opens up, parts the Red Sea, and he's gone because he is a dynamic – fast he's a fast running back so if you give him space he's going to take advantage and no one's catching up to him we all know that no one's denying that but here is just 
proof that if if the holes aren't there, if the running lanes aren't there, he's not going to create for himself. Just like Ryan was alluding to a second ago, he's not, he's just not that guy. He's not overly his contact balance isn't what it what it should be as far as a RB one potential guy. And he doesn't he doesn't have too much shake in his game. He's he's not going to make people miss. He's not DeAndre Swift. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about the the dropped catch from last week, but DeAndre Swift, where as far as I mean, you can see him and then you don't. And and we don't see that with Chuba Hubbard. He's a straight line runner. Like you said, one cut, find your hole and go. And if the hole's not there, what is he really doing for you? So I, I too, I just don't value that. We've both been on this side of things with Chuba Hubbard really from the beginning. Um, it, you know, as soon as this draft ended, he was one of the high names because he was supposed to be in the last draft class. And so we knew his name coming in. We definitely took a look at him early and we both came to that 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 consensus, I guess, that he's not going to create for himself. And I personally, like Ryan said, I'm not going to value that highly. I too, I, I see him as an early day three guy, someone that I want to see get eight to 12 touches a game. And at the next level, he's just not a workhorse bat because you can't trust him to find efficiency except for the big play. The big play is what inflates that yard per carry average that you have seen throughout his careers because he hits those big plays at a higher rate than most players. And take what you will about, you know, the conference he plays in and the, you know, defensive strength in that conference. But here we saw with Tulsa, like you said, when Spencer Sanders went down and you lose that that running threat and, you know, to, for the quarterback to pull it. And, you know, the efficiency just went because he didn't have that big play. And when you don't get the big play, you're not going to be happy with what Chuba Hubbard does for you uh, on a game-by-game basis. And the other thing, too, you have to account for, it seems like, Everyone these days is talking about how running backs are, are losing more and more value. You see more guys get big contracts and then those second contracts not really pan out or players like Leonard Fournette who get drafted very, very highly, not playing as well as you expect them to because they need the extra help in their situation and they need the extra boosts from a good offensive line and a good offense to help them. So if, if Hubbard doesn't sell you enough on being a complete takeover running back that doesn't need perfect conditions. I don't know how you can really sell him as a day one, which some people think he is, or a day two running back. Those spots are reserved for the players that are rarities at the position and can be takeover type players for your offense. Last player that we have, another player from the Boston College Duke game. This is Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson. Ryan, for you, why did you pick Zion Johnson as a stock down player? So this one has, again, multiple layers, a little bit to how Chuba was. So, like, Zion Johnson is left guard number 77 for Boston College coming into the year. Davidson transfer, very athletic. The, the staff there raves about Zion Johnson, the work ethic, the ability as just as, from a physical perspective, really nice athlete for the position. So we went into the game yesterday. And for whatever reason, Zion Johnson is getting put at left tackle yesterday. They moved Tyler Vrabel over to right tackle. They put Johnson in at left tackle. I, immediately, I'm like, what are we doing? That, that, this kid is a six foot three, 305 pounder, 310 pounder. He's a guard. He's not a tackle. So half of me is like, okay, no matter what Zion Johnson does, it doesn't really matter because this isn't what he's going to be asked to do. But the problem is, and no matter if you want to say this or not, right, if you want to admit this to yourselves, is he was put into a situation 
where he had to see a lot more speed on the outside than he usually would inside a guard because, you know, he plays in tight quarters inside. Now he's forced to play in a much more uh, higher level of space at left tackle. The problem there is, although he won't have to do that when he's at guard at the next level, next when you get to the NFL, they move guys in on third downs all the time. So those athletic uh, pass rushers move inside. You're going to be seeing defensive tackles that are a, a cut above athletically from the guys that you see on a down-to-down basis. So what did we get yesterday? You put a microscope on how athletic Zion Johnson is, and he did not st- – well, he was not able to counter the Chris Romps and the Victor G- Dijamooks of the world yesterday. They took him to school. So while he didn't do anything from a guard perspective that you're like, that doesn't translate well – for me, like now, I'm now I have to look at him and say, like, how good of an athlete is he? Uh, he's getting put on the under the microscope unnecessarily. The coaching staff, I think, made a bad decision. I don't think it did him any favors. And again, although he's not doing something that he will necessarily do at the next level, we got a we got a new vision, a new picture of Zion in a different wor- world, in a different amount of space. Maybe he's not quite the athlete that you would want from an offensive lineman at the next level. Is it fair to him? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, a part of this evaluation, though, you have to go and watch that game and you're going to evaluate the traits. And the traits say yesterday that maybe he isn't the best athlete in the world. Is it going to be as highlighted as much inside? No, but on the next level, it will be highlighted a bit because, again, you're playing bigger, better athletes on a week-to-week basis. So unfair to Zion Johnson, but you put him under a different type of microscope and he did not look great yesterday playing against a couple NFL guys. I, I think it's obvious he was uncomfortable. Let's, it, that, that's what it was. For whatever reason that the coaching staff made that decision to move him to left tackle, he just – it wasn't a fit. And I hope they learned from their lesson. All they did was make the guy look bad, pretty much is what, you're, what, what, what we're talking about. I mean, he, he, he was, he's foreign to the position, and I think there's a lot of stock to be put into it about how different the technique is from a tackle perspective to, to an interior and, and I think a lot of people miss out on that. So I will back him up a little bit. There is so much difference, not only in, in the stature that you should be, the, the levels of strength that you should be for each position prototypically, but just the technique, the footwork. And he just looked uncomfortable throughout uh, the portions of the game that I was able to watch. But you can't get ran over by Chris Rumpf. You can't let him just – take you down like we were talking about pound chris rumpf absolutely we we you know i i'm trying to to help him out because look i i don't think a lot of people and i don't even truly realize the extent of the differences in the technique from moving from guard to tackle or tackle to guard uh but it but it especially seems to be uh, a problem when guards move to tackle most of the time um but but you can't get ran over by Chris Rumpf. We literally talked about this guy yesterday or last week as stock down because it didn't look like he gained any weight and this guy is slight for the position and, and we can you know, we we've already been down that rabbit hole. But so you can't let this guy run you over the way he did. You're supposed to be a guard. Like that's like you're you're talking about mobility being the issue and whatever. I don't put as much stock into that because he truly is a guard and we really saw that uh on Saturday. But you can't get ran over by a two hundred and I think he's two hundred and thirty pounds more than two thirty five. And Chris Rumpf, you just can't let that happen. And and so it's definitely stocked down. I don't think, as far as the evaluation 
part that you, that you alluded to, Ryan. I'm not going to put as much stock into this game um, as far as like signaling his strengths and weaknesses, uh, projecting to the next level, because I don't think I think the technique differences between the two positions is so vast that you can't put too much stock into it. But it's definitely a bad look that he he allowed Chris Rumpf to run him over the way he did. Folks, that is it for today's episode of Stock Up, Stock Down from week three. Hopefully you got a strong takeaway from who is doing well during the college football season and also who is already struggling. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. And you can follow Alex at Alex Gillstrap. Also follow the show's Twitter account at NFL Prospects Pod. Be sure to also follow Believe Podcasts at BLEAV podcasts on twitter and instagram thanks for tuning in folks next week we will continue to update you on the draft stocks of nfl draft prospects playing in college football For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.